Father, your hands created me, your love sustains me, your son has given me his life for mine. So cause within me a renewed love for you out of a new heart. It's been given to me by your spirit. You've caused me to love Jesus Christ, to become more Christ-like. We pray this in his name. Amen. So our summer series, if you've returned from your break through January, is called Loving God with More Than Your Heart, because we looked at the heart during the Christmas season. Jesus said, of course, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Yes. But Christians don't leave their brains checked at the door. We use our minds. We love God with our minds. And we don't want to surrender our wills, our, um, our decision-making, our, our appetites to, to, to do whatever we want to do. We want to love God with our guts. We don't want to ignore our hands. We want to serve. We don't want to ignore our feet. We want to stay standing and following Jesus Christ. So Jesus certainly said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. But he also said, love the Lord your God. Lord your God with all your mind and soul and all your strength, you know, and, and your feet and your hands. We want to have a full-bodied Christianity. That's because I want all of me to love all of him. Because he's given all of himself to save all of me. So this week, how do you love God with your hands? Well, unlike guts last week, the English word hand is everywhere in the Bible. Search for it, and you'll get one, at least 1,400 references to hands. And I want to share some of them briefly with you today. A lot of moving around Scripture today, if it helps you write the passages down. Hands, of course, are amazing, don't you think? Amazing. I found out today, 27 bones in the human hand. 27 I found out that there are eight in the wrist, five in the palm, which I've, I've done my maths correctly, leaves 14 bones in the digits, the fingers and the thumbs. And I'm no bone doctor. I'm no hand doctor. I can Google. Hands are remarkable. Isaac Newton said, in the absence of any other proof, if there was no other proof, the thumb alone would convince me of the existence of God. We can do so much with our hands, so much good, but we can also wreak so much havoc. Our hands then are not just agents of doing stuff, we'll come to that in a moment, but they can also become in many ways symbols of love on one hand and hate on the other, and therefore of sin and redemption. In terms of love and redemption, we can touch other people to show that we care and we afford them dignity, especially when others won't touch them. But at the same time, we can exercise control by who and how we touch. We can rob people of their worth with the same hands that could potentially touch and give life. For example, our hands have sexual power within covenant to nurture, tender love. But those same hands have the power to, to rape and pillage, 
to rob people of lives. We can use hands to speak with people in sign language for the deaf, to simply learn it if you didn't need to. It's an action of love. We could defend ourselves and others, but we could also use our hands to, to hurt others. Hands are not just a metaphor for life and death, but agents for activity, productivity, creativity, presence. Did you pick the couplet in the Deuteronomy reference? Go and find it. His mighty hand and his presence are coupled in the Deuteronomy text. Hands are agents of presence and compassion and safety and, quite frankly, getting stuff done. They are agents for work, such that when Jesus talks about farming, he says, though, he talks about those who put their hand to the plough. And that's what you do when you go to work on Monday morning, even if it's not farming. <laughs> put your hand to the plough. It's become a metaphor for work. With our hands, we can play musical instruments. We can create art. The surgeon's hand can go in and heal. The designer can build, the author can write. With your hands, you can simply clean a home and make a meal. The speaker can even use his hands to communicate. So how do you love God with your hands? Well, two points today on page seven. I want to talk about how God loves us with his hands, which really is the gospel or the message we proclaim, which is the fuel in the end for point number two, how we love God with our hands. So firstly, how does God love us with his hands? Well, it might be a surprise to you, but in the Bible, God has hands. Not physical hands. Jesus himself said, John chapter 4, God is spirit. Of course, the incarnation changed all that. We'll get to that in a moment. If I can put it this way, God did not have physical hands until... Jesus was born, those little hands that grabbed hold of Mary's finger. At that moment, God chose the 27 bones. We'll come to why in a moment. But in the Bible, Old and New Testament, he has hands that do. Now, a lot of people have critiqued Christianity over the centuries, saying that we humans have turned God into one of us. We Gave him hands. It's a tendency with a name. Anthropomorphism, which is the attribution of human characteristics or behavior to a God. Um, you know, some people will say, your scriptures say that God gets angry, but that's to be anthropomorphic. You know, we get angry, so, but we've placed that on, on him. But I wonder whether, theologically, and therefore really, I wonder whether theologically the reverse is true. Namely, that God gives us his characteristics. We have been theomorphed. That if I can put it this way, it's not that we've made a human out of God, but that he has made gods out of humans. By which I mean, you are made in the image of the likeness of God, and maybe that's why we have hands. Because non-physical hands existed before the creation of the world. To that end, C.S. Lewis quipped 
to those who doubt that God has hands, of course God has hands, not mere paws like the rest of us. He's raising a possibility, namely that our hands are in fact symbols of God's ability to love and to do in the world. What does Jesus believe about the hands of his Father? Well, he said, on the cross, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Why does Jesus say that? Well, he knows that God has the whole world in his hands. So right there in the midst of suffering, right there on the cross, he can say, God, I trust you. Many of us are nervous about the hands of God. If I can use a cricket metaphor, we don't think he has a safe pair of hands. You don't think you have a safe pair either, but better the devil you know, and so you end up controlling your circumstances around you and what havoc we wreak sometimes. What does God do with his hands? Well, here's a survey of Scripture. God's hands made the heavens and the earth. Psalm 92, the psalmist says, I sing for joy at the work of your hands, O God. Psalm 8 The stars are said to be God's handiwork. Psalm 95, the sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed dry land. Moffat translation, the sea is his, for he made it, and his hands bulldozed dry land. In Psalm 139, his hands made you. The psalmist says to God, you, God, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Who knew that God could knit? Psalm 119, verse 7, your hands made me and formed me. And that's because we are like clay in the hands of God. Jeremiah 18, verse 16, like clay in the hands of the potter, so you are in my hand. Not the other way around. We didn't make God. He made us. And his hands are safe. Psalm 31 verse 5, the psalmist says, Into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus quotes the psalmist. The psalmist goes on, Redeem me, Lord, the God of truth. And down in verse 14, I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My, my times are in your hands. I trust you. And God's hands are in and all over history. God who made the heavens and the earth by his hand, his hand or by God's hand, Israel was driven into exile for her sin. In the Bible, God can withdraw his hand of grace. You don't want that. The writer of Hebrews says it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You don't want to end up, if I can put it this way, naked before a holy God, meaning in your sin. You really do want to be clothed in the grace of God and the righteousness of Christ. So in Romans chapter 1, God can hand you over to your sin. He can say, you've got that desire that's not in accordance with my will. Go right ahead. He hands you over, pushes the bike on in judgment. But God's hands are also there to redeem the refrain. The song of Israel is that God has redeemed us with a mighty hand, and an outstretched arm. That's what the Deuteronomy passage was that Mitzi just read to us. That's why Israel can be challenged in this way. They can say, ask now about 
former days, long before your time, from the day God created humans on the earth, asked from one end of the heavens to the other, has anything so great as this exodus ever happened? Anything like it ever been heard of? Has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation by testing signs, wonders by war and by his mighty hand and outstretched arm or by great and awesome deeds doing, right? Like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes when he rescued you out of Egypt. And why did he do it? You were shown these things and you're being told now so that you might know that the Lord is God and besides him there is no other. So acknowledge this and take it to heart. To believe then is to place your life in the hands of his good, safe, strong hands. I trust you is what you're saying. Don't trust my own hands. Well, what else did God do with his hands? Well, he took them on. He took on hands, palms, fingers, two thumbs. God took on the 27 bones of the human hand. Together with it, the tendons. John writes, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In the original language, it's the word became flesh and pitched his tent. (laughs) Made his home among us. Jesus Christ is God pitching a tent with his hands among us. And Jesus went to work as a carpenter in the like of his father, earthly father. And in his ministry, he touched people in their suffering, not just as an act of solidarity to give dignity and worth, but he healed them, ultimately saving them. And that's why Jesus ate (laughs) with his hands, with tax collectors and sinners, signifying the kind of person that God loves. It's not the righteous one who needs saving. It's not the healthy who need a doctor. So if you see yourself as a pretty healthy person, if you see yourself as a pretty righteous person, you know what's wrong with other people. What Jesus is saying, no, no, you're you're not the person he eats with. He eats with the prostitute, right? the tax collector, the sinner, the broken one. And here's the key to knowing how God loves us with his hands. And it's this, that Israel always expected through the promises of God that God would show his hand in a mighty way. They just never expected God to have actual hands. They expected God to redeem them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. They just didn't think that hand will be nailed to a cross and an outstretched arm as God saves the people he loves. But this moment, this Christ on the cross is God tearing his heart apart so that he wouldn't tear mine to pieces in judgment. Um, His hands are pierced so that mine could be whole in the new heavens and the new earth. And his hands remain pierced. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Dr. Paul Brand is a hand surgeon in the United States, and um, 
he wrote these words as a hand surgeon and as a follower of Jesus Christ. He says the most important scene in Jesus' life, the one we memorialize in the Easter week, involved his hands. Those hands had done so much good. Those hands were taken and one at a time pierced through with a thick spike. My mind, he writes, balks at visualizing it. It's impossible to force a spike there without maiming the hand into a claw-shaped, claw-shape. And Jesus had no anesthetic at his hand as his hands were marred and destroyed. Throughout all of history, he writes, people of faith have clung to the belief that there is a God who understands the human dilemma, that the pains we endure on earth are not meaningless, that our prayers are heard. And in that Easter week, we Christians focus on the supreme event when God demonstrated for all time that he knows our pain. In other words, God loves you. And to quote Dr. Paul Brand, his hands prove it. So secondly, if he loves us thus, how are we to love him? And the answer is we're to put our life in his hands, first and foremost. And how does Jesus surrender his life to his Father? Well, he says on the cross, into your hands I commit my spirit. But you should know this is not a deathbed prayer. It's the prayer of his whole life. He commits his whole life to God, his life, his parents, his friends, his work, his ministry, his acts of service, his love, his confrontation of the religiously arrogant. That prayer, into your hands, O God, I commit my spirit. What a great prayer to wake up every morning and pray. It's not just about a tough moment. And it's not just, I'll do this at the end of my life because my life is pretty good in my own hands now. It's actually a daily prayer and a new mode of living our whole lives. Sunday and then Monday and then Tuesday and then Wednesday and then Thursday and then Friday. Our wakings and our sleepings, our coming and our goings, our pleasures and our pains, our temptations and trials, we lay in God's hands. You're going to find this out in two weeks' time. Our intention in the preaching series in 2019 is to strongly connect the dots between Sunday, what you learn here, and Monday morning, and Tuesday morning, and Wednesday morning, and Thursday night, and Friday, and Saturday, Saturday night, as you come back to church on Sundays. The theme for our preaching series in 2019, the theme of Sundays will be Monday. And so if he loved us thus, then our hands get shaped in his mold. We end up serving God with our hands as he goes to work on our hearts. And so we serve God with our hands and we serve others with our hands. And I don't know how you're going to do that and I can't map it out. But we'll use our gifts to bring honor to his name. We'll use our hands to heal others and not to hurt others. And we'll give, as Jesus says, not letting our right hand know what our left hand is doing. So you're not counting pennies. And we'll be at work as we go to work, as the Apostle says, as unto the Lord, with uh, enthusiasm, knowing that you have a master watching you in heaven. That's why the writer of Ecclesiastes says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And that, by the way, doesn't have to be paid. It could be voluntary. 
In fact, very, very much it's likely to be voluntary. I've paid, paid work only accounts for an important part of our lives, and we're going to be talking about that um, in February. But, the, but Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he writes this, he says, Yet we urge you, brothers, to love each other more and more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business, right, instead of being busy in the lives of other people, and work with your hands, right, not judging others, but loving people. Work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of those who don't believe, and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. So we'll put our hands to work, and we'll put our hands to work for the kingdom of God, and there'll be crossover in our lives. Luke chapter 9, verse 62, Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. You're a Christian. You follow Jesus Christ. You're full steam ahead for seeing his kingdom grow as lights are lit all over Australia and the world. The mission of God, which I think we'll be praying about in a few moments' time. Would that be fair to say, Jean? We avoid sinning with our hands. Jesus says, if your right hand causes you to sin, then cut it off. How about that? Cut it off and throw it away, Jesus says, for it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. What's he saying? He's talking about radical surgery. Not of the hand, but of the sin in your life. I want that for my life. And here's another one. We want to use our hands for prayer. The apostle writes in 1 Timothy 2, therefore... I want the men everywhere, and maybe this could be a verse that comes up at the dinner in two weeks' time, Doug, you know. I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. I take it that men and women are equally meant to pray, lifting up holy hands with, for prayer, but many commentators make the assumption that Paul writes this to men because when touched by sin... When a man is touched by sin, if I can put it this way, when he becomes toxic with the devil's hand, then perhaps men in particular have a tendency to raise their hands in anger or disputing. And the Apostle Paul says, I'll give you an alternative to this. It's to pray with your holy hands. Men, your holy hands, without anger or disputing. I take it it relates to men and women I want to make a quick comment about the Gillette ad, if you don't mind. I don't want to make a comment about the contents of the Gillette ad that was shown last week, nor the debate around whether or not a shaving company should be the ones to, to say this. I'll leave that for you to discuss and argue amongst yourselves. When I watched that ad, if you watched it online this week, I noticed two things that the men were doing. Something with their eyes and something with their hands. Over and over it was the same thing. Eyes, hands. Eyes, hands eyes, hands. The ab was saying, let's be better than that. Well, the Apostle Paul is offering a better than that in Christ. He's saying, keep your eyes on Jesus Christ and your hands lifted in prayer. Amen? The most important thing to do with your hands in 2019 is to serve others. You notice that second reading that Mitzi read to us, Jesus washed his disciples' feet. But what you might not have realized was the power involved John 13, verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So, because of this, 
He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and began to wash his disciples' feet. Did you pick it? Did you pick it? All power, all authority in all the earth. He had come from God in the beginning and was returning to God. So, what do you expect of those with absolute power? So, he washed his disciples' feet. And that's because this is what it means to be God. What it means to be God is to be divinely humble. Which leads, for Jesus, to the ultimate example. Verse 12, do you understand what I've done for you? Do you get it? I've given you a gift on so many levels. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. That's what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. You're not greater than me, so do what I do. And now that you know these things, now that you've been given this mode, you are blessed if you do them. So what are we to do with our hands? Serve others with love. The opposite, by the way, and I thought about this for a reading, is Daniel chapter 4, when the king of Babylon, a despot, stands up and he says, is this not great Babylon which I have built with my own hands and for my own glory? God strikes him down that night. The alternative to Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon is Jesus Christ of God. And so out of the joy of being washed clean, without being a doormat, Jesus was no doormat, and working out what your boundaries are going to be in life, but not having boundaries that are so hard that it doesn't look like service. Out of the joy of confidence in Christ, by the serving hands of Christ, out of the security of knowing that we are ultimately loved and in fact washed clean, that's the point of John 13, in salvation, given complete forgiveness, the divine washing away of all my sins, out of this we serve, we ask, what will serve and help other people? Not just what do I like or what suits me, it really is in the menial tasks in many ways. You see the beauty of this? Washing feet is such a lowly act. Jesus says, go and do likewise. A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. There are your train tracks. So you must love one another. And in John 15, same night, the night before he died, Jesus said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. In a world in which we're constantly being told, be yourself, a Christian says, be like Jesus. And so her prayer is, make me more like Jesus. And read a gospel to see what that means or looks like. His deep desire with holy hands in prayer is make me Christ-like. Into your hands I commit my spirit, so give me hands that serve. Let's pray. Father, bless us with um, a new heart. And from that new heart, give us new hands that love, that touch, that embrace, that heal rather than hurt. Take away toxic hearts, which leads to toxic behavior, and give each of us, all of us, new hearts with a behavior that looks more and more like Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.